Hello, and welcome to Disciples Quest. I'm Emily. I'm William. And I'm Justin. Today we're talking about Hebrews 5. But before we get into that, Justin, how was your week? My week was great. Um, I had vacation this week. Oot, oot. Vacation pay. Uh, I had, well, it was three days off, and then I get another three, do- three days off in December. So unfortunately, I had to have it split up. I'd rather have a full week, but it is what it is. Um, I got some things done on my car, which was nice. I wanted to get the Christmas lights up for us, but it's not exactly a one-person thing to do, <laughs> to go up on a ladder on your roof covered in snow alone, because uh, my family's obviously working. So I didn't actually get that done, which is unfortunate. But you know what? I just enjoyed the three days of just relaxing, um, sleeping in, which is what I love to do, and just cleaning up around the house. Nice. It, it sounds weird, but cleaning is somehow meditative. I know it's probably not like that for everybody, but I really enjoy cleaning and like having that room that's just immaculate, cleaning the basement, folding all the laundry. It, I, I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just had a really nice, relaxing week. Uh, not much highlights besides I did go to the uh, game night at my church yesterday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a decent turnout and we played a lot of fun games. I somehow convinced my dad to play chess, which I could would have never imagined before just because it doesn't seem like his type of game. But he beat me uh, only because I did that bad move in chess, which is I got impatient and I started making risky moves and then he took all my pieces. Uh, but people were worse bringing his ears, all of his mo- the moves to make anyway, so that wasn't fair. Oh. So, uh, Dad, I don't really count that as a win. I know you're probably listening. Uh, that was not uh, that's cheating. So I technically win, but whatever. Um, but yeah, the the game night was pretty fun at my church, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Sweet. How about you, Emily? Yeah, this week was really good. I saw some friends. Uh, like today, I went to the mall with um, one of my friends. It was nice to have some girl time because usually me and this friend, we hang out with like guys too, um, like a group that we had from high school. So it was nice to just see her and look around for stuff. I bought some Christmas presents, so that was fun. Got William a little something for Christmas, but he don't know what it is yet. But he knows it's a book Ooh. of some sort because he knew I went to chapters. <laughs> so yeah, we went to a course tonight about marriage it was for people who are recently married and people who are going to be getting married at my home church very interesting it's based off of um a course done by alpha which some of the listeners may have heard of before it's uh they do videos and people watch them and talk about them makes it really easy to get into like deep conversations around god's word and things like that so very educational and fun lots of discussion time uh but yeah, other than that, um, the week was pretty good. Well, why don't you tell us about your exciting news? It wasn't, it's not actually that exciting. Yes, it is. Come so, on, dude, it's exciting. So, um, I've been pretty busy all week because I've been looking for a new accounting job and the accounting job market is fairly hot. And so I applied fairly vigorously for about two days and then I stopped. Because um, after two days of applying for jobs, my calendar was already exploding with interviews. And so people Dang. are calling me like literally every two hours saying, hey, we want to bring you in for an interview. Hey, we want to bring you in for an interview. I'm like, I don't know. I guess uh, wait in line. But uh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> wait in line, buster. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I. And so and then I said, I guess um, I, don't know, I can put you 
this day and then you know another one came called and i said uh and i, I booked that one for like two hours after that uh, the, uh, the first interview and they got like complicated and the emails are just piling up and like luckily i was feeling a bit overwhelmed about it because like when it comes to scheduling and emails i'm not actually that great <laughs> but my wife is amazing at it and so i am thankfully like <laughs> she was able to like keep things she helped me keep things straight but um see we're the perfect team yeah we have our own strengths and weaknesses for sure and so anyway i i was able to pretty quickly like find a job and and so i i managed to get a job as with a position that's going to be a bit different than the ones i've been working Uh, and um, I'm pretty excited. Like, I'm pretty excited about like just the new experience, the new responsibilities. It's a very good company that I'm going to go work for, and so very good opportunity for me. But most of my time has been spent this last week working, uh, either eight hour or seven hour shifts, looking for a job, and that's pretty much it. Like, or looking for a job slash like doing interviews and preparing for interviews, and a lot of the people that I did. That, that wanted to take me in for an interview wanted something like specific types of references or something else on my resume or like they want me to take like the skills test to online where I would go and and so like I've been like very busy I haven't gone outside much at all <laughs> so congratulations bud yeah and he can walk to work yeah it's a pretty close location actually to where I am so that's, that's awesome nice. yeah so I've we been busy we can see it but from it, our window yeah it paid off. I'm actually still getting people like texting me and, and calling me about like, uh, hey, we want to bring you in for a second interview and all this stuff. And I have to like tell them all, no, I'm sorry. But um, it's I think it's good that my 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 uh, type of field is hot in high demand. Mm-hmm. It shows that it's a healthy field to pick to, to work in. All right. So who wants to read today? I could. Sure. I'm reading from the New King James Version, and I'm going to read the first four verses of chapter five. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. And then verse 5 continues, So to Christ did not, so too Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have fathered you. Just as he also says in another passage, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his humanity, he offered up both prayers and pleas with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his devout behavior. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him, being designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is difficult to explain since you have become poor listeners. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is acquainted with the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. Hmm. Let's get into this. So starting at verse 1, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of people in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. It is interesting that the high priest is chosen among men, eh? Like it's, it's appointed to act, chosen from among men and appointed to act on behalf of men in relation. It's like the ambassador, the people appointed ambassador to be that that bridge between the people and God to yeah. offer gifts and sacrifices. But I thought, that's interesting, because I, I thought you had to be amongst a certain tribe. What was that tribe again, Justin? Levi. Remember? Yes, the tribe of Levi, because that's how it started. And so then since then, um, everyone had to be within the tribe of Levi in order to, to be a high priest. Sacrifice has always been something, I guess, throughout the Bible that's heavily emphasized. You can't mm-hmm. really get anywhere without sacrifice. I think that just is also a testament to how life works, how the universe works in ge- in general. There's always a sacrifice. Giving up of things that you think are meaningful and important to something greater than yourself, like basically showing that you're willing to give up your own desires for the for God, for the greater good, for His plan, because mm-hmm. He means mm-hmm. more to you than that thing. Well, yeah, it shows up in many different like areas of your life too, right? I mean, you sacrifice your time. An effort when you work for stuff in the future, everything requires a sacrifice, and and you get to pick your sacrifice. Sorry, that was a bit from Jordan Peterson, guys. <laughs> but what's interesting is that the Bible is very clear on what you do not sacrifice for to get ahead in life, and one of those things you don't sacrifice your children, which is so that's one of the things that are off limits to sacrifice to to get blessings, to get ahead, to to make life better for yourself. Um, it talks about that in the scripture, which is why I don't. That's, in my opinion, the evidence against abortion, like being legal. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to say that. No, that yeah. that makes sense. That's actually that's a good tie-in. That's a good tie-in. Yeah, because abortion is the act of sacrificing your children, even uh, when they're sacrificing their kids to Moloch, mm-hmm. in order to make life easier for themselves. Yeah. And it and honestly, it's for for whatever reason you make, it's still. At the end of the day, sacrificing your child, whether you think it's justified or not, that doesn't matter. Or yeah. think it's not even a child yet. Yeah. It's still a baby. What, well, yeah, whether you think it or not doesn't change reality. Right. And so there are things you're supposed to sacrifice and things that are off limits to sacrifice. And so animals are perfectly okay to sacrifice because they're not nearly on the same level as a human being. Mm-hmm. But yeah. anyway. And, and, and it's not only that you'd sacrifice your animal, you're usually sacrificing the greatest animal the that you have. Animal, yeah, yeah. The best animal, the mm-hmm. best lamb, the best. Right. And so, and in today's age, we don't really have like that a, kind of an thing. equivalent. But we do, well, we ha- we sacrifice <laughs> your money and it's supposed to hurt a little bit, but that's just it. It's on the same animal and livestock or on the same plane to right. me as, as money when it comes to like. Because that was technically their their currency. Yeah. And actually, some that's what you worked hard. Yeah. In, in livestock, yeah, that's true. Anyway. Yeah, I like how um, the high priest, as it says in like verse 3, like they weren't exempt from having to do sacrifices just because they were priests. They also had sins to deal with. 
Um, I like how it makes that point. Like these were just regular guys too, right? So yeah, no, I agree. That's kind of what like, verse two is saying, right? Is that like they themselves had weaknesses and sin, and they have been there, which is, I believe, why God chose them. God, it said, is among men on behalf of the people, but then it says, since he himself is also clothed clothed in weakness because of because of it, he's obligated to offer sacrifices for sins for himself, because everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And I believe this is where the Catholics kind of get it wrong with how much how much of a high standard they hold their bishops. It's like I I now I'm not gonna act like I have a super deep detailed analysis on this, so I'm not gonna try to make too big of claims that I can't back up. But everyone's fallen short of the glory of God, but God has appointed certain men to be high priests and to be in that role of authority. But remember that he also has to sacrifice things for his sins um, as well as for the people because he is weak. He is a sinner just like you and me. Yeah. So as we were saying before, the priests were all part of the tribe of Levi and Aaron was a priest. So Aaron was, of course, um, Moses's elder brother um, again, it's like this writer of Hebrews is showing references to the Bible to prove points, as we've seen throughout the previous chapters. Mm-hmm. And something else to remember, too, is that being a high priest was not for your own glory. It was not for any self-gratification or to put the focus on you. You are simply, as a high priest, you were a beacon for God. And you had to keep that focus on giving God all the praise. And I think this is what it's kind of trying to say, because uh, it's very easy to become corrupt and and make people worship man. When you're in a place of authority, um, no matter what it is, but specifically when it comes to the church, uh, it's very easy for people to no longer look at you as just the guy who's got God's message, but almost a God figure in its own. And it's not uncommon to see people idolize their pastors. And that's dangerous. God war- The Bible clearly warns against idols. Okay, Jesus talked about a parable. <clears throat> and uh, in that parable, there was like this high priest that was like praying towards heaven and basically saying something like, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like all these sinners that are like below me mm. and thank you that, yeah, I'm not like them. And, and there was like this tax collector near him and he, I think he caught him out, but I, I can't be sure. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And the tax collector had his head toward the ground. I'm looking up heaven and said, God, forgive me for all my sin. And then Jesus said that the tax collector went home like forgiven, but the high priest wasn't huh. because, <laughs> um, he was like, you know, pompous and full oh, of selfish pride, pride. Yeah. And, and all that stuff. And um, during that time, whereas the tax collector was humbled before God. And during that age where Jesus lived, like they had forgotten, like the high priest guard themselves so high and mighty, like they had forgotten that, you know, they are people too. And they also sin and all these things that everyone is is guilty of it. Mm-hmm. And so 
here the author is just trying to bring that back. Those are not my thoughts. That was by a sermon preached. It didn't say the pastor's name, oddly enough, but the, the sermon was preached in a church uh, called Ontario Calvary Temple. Oh, okay. Ontario Calvary Temple. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And that parable is from Luke 18, verse 9 to 14. Hey, you found it. Um, it actually was talking about a Pharisee. So Oops, my are bad. Pharisees high priest? I don't think so. Yeah. But yeah. They might be, but I don't know. But yeah, it says like, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Can you imagine like going to pray and beside you, there's this guy who is, he's sent, you know, he has sinned, he knows he's sinning or he knows that he has sinned and he's praying for forgiveness mm-hmm. face to the ground. Yeah. Just like so sad for sin. And you look down on him and be like, thank God. I'm thank you, God, him. that I'm not this guy. Wow. Like how the arrogance. Such arrogance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he then says, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Oh, okay. <laughs> thank you, Lord. I am so holy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, God, for making me so humble. <laughs> I am the humblest person I know. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I like in verse four, it says, and no one takes the honor for himself but receives it when he is called by God, just as Aaron also was. And that's what I was kind of saying at the beginning, right? Is that like the honor is to go to him, not to yourself. And it sounds like uh, the the man in that story you just read from Matthew? Luke. Luke uh, kind of proves that. Like he was, he was giving the honor to himself in a way. He was not being sincere and he was being very arrogant. And I know that my tangent didn't quite make sense, but this is how it kind of tied it in, is that when you put that honor to yourself, that's when you start to take away from the actual true message of God. And that's when you're now, because you're in a position position of power, you're, it's not just hurting yourself, you're hurting everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Because these people are going to you for wisdom. God gave you that position, and now you're wrecking it, because you're now spreading false lies and... You're going to mislead many people. So that's why it's like you. that position is a very, very important position in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. And to give glory to God and not to yourself. Yeah. It's like, don't steal the glory from the one who built it all. I guess we can move to verse five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So too, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have fathered you. Just as he also says in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, I found this to be very interesting. The Bible references, like they're both from Psalms. Um, And Melchizedek was only mentioned once before in the Bible. Like he was this um, guy who was a priest and a king, actually. He had two roles. Um, he was the king of Salem, so that's now Jerusalem. So yeah, he was mentioned in Genesis 14. I read um, about it online to find out, like, what's up with this Melchizedek guy? (laughs) And um, basically, it's like talking about how he was a priest and a king, just like how Jesus was. So that's why Jesus is kind of like to that order. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, the yeah I had to look it up. 
the order of Melchizedek. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what is this talking about? So you're right about that. So the the name itself, Melek, is Greek for king. And Zedek is Greek for righteous. Mm. So you can often see it as the king of righteous. Uh, so the or, but what is that? That's who, and like you said, he was a king. But who? What's the order of Melchizedek? So I had to look that up here. I'm reading from verse by verse ministry. It says once the title was passed to Jesus at the end of the death of Joseph, because the title of the order of Melchizedek was first given to, I believe, Moses, and then it passed on through generations, um, from father to son, generation to generation. Upon the death of the prior priest. So the order of Melchizedek was Adam's until he died, sorry. And then to his son Seth, and then to Noah, and then to Methuselah, and then to Lamech, and then it kept going. Uh, and then finally, once the title was passed to Jesus at the death of Joseph, it remains with him forever. As Hebrews teaches, Jesus was resurrected after death and is to never die again. Therefore, the title of Melchizedek will be his forever. And the order of Melchizedek is now an eternal order held by an inter- eternal high priest, Christ. The procession of the Melchizedek order is important because it pictured an eternal high priest for the Old Testament saint. And once it is Christ's, it demonstrates the sufficiency of Christ's work as our high priest. This is the point being taught in Hebrews. So it is a title of of basically of the order of righteousness, the order of, so it's a, a title uh, that we, they, they would only give to each priest throughout each generation, and they'd always give it to the next one once they died. But as soon as I went to Jesus, he died, but then he resurrected. And since he's not going to die ever again, since Christ lives forever, that title will always belong to Jesus and Jesus alone. So that's why it's referencing that that title. So when it says, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, it's referencing him saying that he will always have that title since he will t- since he will live forever. That title of him being uh, the righteous priest will always be his. So I think that's really interesting. I had to look it up because I didn't understand what that meant. Um, but it'll be referenced one more time. But yeah, I think it's interesting that that title was given from Adam in Genesis all the way down to Jesus. And then it was his forever. So I think that's cool. Where is that in the Bible? Genesis 14. There um, was like something. Um, yeah, the, the sermon that I listened to, he, he only briefly like went over that. He, he didn't really stay on uh, Melchizedek very long because he said that it is only mentioned once. And he said something about it being a point of like some contention among scholars, a few things. He's like, but it's not really worth opening the debate. Yeah. yeah, but I can't remember what he said about it. He, only that I was a point of like debate, but he didn't spend too much time on it, so I didn't hmm. really. The title was, I don't know if I explained it very well, but like the title was given as like a representation of God on earth. Hmm. That's what it was kind of seen as. So very high up, holy, righteous title. Yeah. And then when Jesus came, he was God on earth. So that's why it remained with him and didn't get passed down. Yeah. It was mentioned in in Genesis, by the way, and then twice in Psalms, Mm -hmm. and then in Hebrews, and then it didn't get mentioned after Hebrews 7. I'd like to talk more about this after the podcast, actually. we'll read Order of Melchizedek again, next chapter and the chapter after that. It mentions it more. So So we can get into that when the time comes. So 
so also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Is he making reference to how God be- made him become a high priest, priest or that he did not? Oh, I see. It's the whole take after Jesus thing. Jesus was also humble hmm. before God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Once again, even though Jesus is God, he was still a humble person. Mm-hmm. Even though he has every right not to be, he acted virtuous so we could follow in his footsteps. He was the perfect example and demonstration for everyone. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, and then you're, you're right about that. And then we see more in his character. Uh, it explains more of his character uh, with Seven. It says, in the days of his humanity, he offered up both prayers and pleas with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. He was heard because of his devout behavior. So to me, this this part shows that character part of him, that he cried out to God through his suffering. He was human. Yeah. He knew he would have... And this is the part that's crazy, is that I, I was asking my dad about this. I said, how... How young do you think Jesus was when he knew that he would have to sacrifice his life for the salvation of the world? And my dad believes it's just that he always knew, like from a very young age, as, as young as he could know, he, would, he wouldn't have known that he was going to be the sacrifice for the world and that all of his pains, all of the pains of the world were, were put on him and that yet, man, the amount of humility and obedience that takes because i know i'm talking about christ the son of god but he was in the human form which is why it says he suffered he cried because of this idea because it's it's not like it's it's i think it could be easy as christians to kind of look at jesus as just such a holy figure that it's hard to relate to him not even but try to try to think of the fact that this guy knew he, he probably didn't know how, maybe he didn't know how he was going to die that it was going to be specifically crucifixion until later on yeah. But he knew that he was going to have to suffer and be killed for the sal- salvation of the world. Yeah, and when he suffered temptation, it would have been worse for him than it would have been for us. Because imagine, like, never scratching that itch. Like, living with it, but, right. like, because there's a certain amount of and I think people use this as an excuse for bad behavior, but when you sin because of suffering and because of temptation, that can be an outlet. It can be an unhealthy outlet, and there are outlets that are better than others, but it's still an outlet. Does that sort of make any sense? Mm-hmm. Like if you yell because you're angry or whatever, yeah. imagine never doing that, Yeah. how hard that is. Yeah. Never giving into that. It is interesting. There's an extreme amount of strength. Yeah. Yeah. In this days of his flesh, loud crying and tears. See, and so I, when I read that, I thought that was really interesting because I used to think that a show of emotion, loud crying and tears, I used to think that that was, it showed weakness of character because I'm like, well, you, you can't control yourself. You can't have discipline over your emotions. And reading this, I'm like, oh, what if Jesus did that and he's perfect? Mm-hmm. then that must mean there's nothing inherently wrong with that. And, of course, yeah. And that there's the reasons why it's, you're... It's human. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's human. It's human. 
it's well i mean so is sin but like mm-hmm. it, it's nothing there's nothing inherently wrong with loud crying and tears over suffering it, it sort of depends though on why you're doing it and like that it could be an indication of something unhealthy but like there's nothing inherently wrong with that over suffering jesus did and he suffered a lot mm-hmm. so i i just to me that was it really gave me some food for thought just to read that part mm-hmm. well and i think it's important as to why he was crying that's that's maybe that's more what it is because i think there are definitely things that you shouldn't cry about, but the fact of, oh, I'm going to be killed and there's no saving me um, and I have to and I have to do it for everyone around me. Like it's it's probably going to be it's probably a hard thought to realize that your death is incoming. I, I agree that there are and definitely going to be things. tortured. And that's what I mean, though. It kind of depends. It also depends, like, for example, like a child might cry because he wants to not he wants to win favor or wants attention or wants like there are reasons yeah. you might do that are wrong. And there are over things yeah. that that might, and you might cry over things that might show that you're unhealthy, but like inherently I mean, it's not wrong. Think about another time that Jesus did it when his friend died. Um, Lazarus, Jesus wept. Yeah. He cried. And I think like you were saying that I think it's unfortunately ingrained in a lot of guys' minds that, Oh, crying is for the weak you can't cry the shows well, i always the thought, shows you're weak i always thought the most virtuous thing was stability of of emotion when it comes to and emotion. i think to and i think to an extent that is not an entirely bad thing mm-hmm. but be the strongest person in the room to yeah to comfort other people and, and I, I think that's needed um but i don't think it's something that we should think where no crying is ever acceptable. I, I don't believe that it's either. Not necessarily, wrong. I think there are times where crying is actually the thing that you do need. I think it's healthy, especially in certain circumstances, like your best friend dying. I think Jesus crying once again showed his humanity. Right. Showed that he he truly loved Lazarus. It showed that an ex- a display of emotion is okay, mm-hmm. first of all, and it showed that yeah, he's human. So. Yeah. And he, he was crying to. He was trying to to God because he knew uh, there was the only there's only one person that could save him from death and it was God mm-hmm. that's what it says right is that he's crying to the one able to save him and he was heard because of his de- devout behavior that's what my translation says I like that the choosing of his words because his behavior he was always devoted to God to serving God in every single aspect of his life well, since he was a little kid he was preaching in churches mm-hmm. um, so I find that, yeah, just really just really fascinating about his character. What would it have been like to see a little kid preaching? And then God's going to save you all. Get off the stage, little Timmy. In the New King James Version, verse 7 says that, um, like in the latter part of it, it says, and was heard because of his godly fear. Oh, okay. So oh, that's an interesting way to, to word yeah, it. Yeah, it's like I've heard fear talked as like reverence for God, like awe of Him, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but is it possible for Jesus to be in awe of God? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, like, the, it is. It's. I understand why it's hard for people to wrap their head around the Trinity because I. It's just understandable why it can confuse people, but because. Jesus is God, but he's also a separate being from God. So he can talk to his father, even though he's talking to God triune himself. Mm-hmm. I understand why it's confusing. Yeah. 
But it's very important, Christians out there, to have an understanding of the Trinity mm-hmm. because it's going to be a question that at first it was only like a few groups of people that would that would ask that. But now you have Muslims that disagree with the Trinity, Jews disagree with the Trinity. Um, there are literally Christians now, like every I shouldn't even name them. Every group of religious belief disagrees with the Trinity. But now even Christians, there are non-Trinitarian Christians. So that's it's so important for us to know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could say, because, say they identify as non-Trinitarian Christians, but they're not really Christians if they're non-Trinitarian. Of course, <laughs> I would agree with that. How yeah. do you... Anyways, it's painted all over the Bible, and they'll mm-hmm. just you know use the classics, like, oh, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, but then they'll also try to say that the description of your Trinity also isn't anywhere, but that's a whole other conversation. It definitely mm-hmm. is all over the Bible. Yeah, and Jesus oh, is the perfect example of how we are to live, so... He shows that wonder of God, that knowledge of God. Um, He's like, he knows his power. He knows God's power and Mm -hmm. he respects God. And we should be respecting God a lot too, because we are like so far below where God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit sit. Um, So we really need to um, show that respect. I think that's good, Emily, and I think that ties perfectly into verse 8, because it says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Mm-hmm. So that means he was disobedient, right? No, it means <laughs> that Jesus also had to learn how to obey God. Well, he was a human, I guess, because you would have to fight against that human nature because you're also God. Yeah, I think it was like... Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, y- y- the temptation... He had to experience all the temptation to to learn what it meant to like all the human um, emotion and suffering to learn how, what it means to obey despite um, all the parts of human nature that tell you not to, I guess. And when it comes to like when your environment is creating a situation where you don't want to, well, I'm butchering this explanation. I know what you mean. I'm like, we got to put ourselves in Jesus' shoes or mm. sandals, whatever he wore. Um, these situations that he was in, People did not always view him as the protagonist. Like, people did not like him. They would yell at him every time he was talking. There would always be the priest in the corner or the the uh, Pharisees. I always get Pharisees, Sadducee, all those names mixed up. Um, me too. Hence me mixing up the whole, like, high priest and Pharisee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there would always be people mocking him and spitting on him. And that's what I think it, when it says that he had to learn obedience for from which the things he suffered is that... There was always pushback. I mean, think from the entire Jewish community. There was definitely those that believed that he was the coming of the Messiah. But he was making bold claims, right? I like He was saying that he was, I am, right? The I am statement. He's saying he's the king of the Jews. So mm-hmm. he was not liked. And that definitely teaches someone obedience. Yeah. That's like, you know what, God? I know what they're all saying. And I know what you have planned for me, which is my death. But I'm going to stay obedient to you, and I'm going to serve you all the days of my life until that point, and then I'm going to obviously be with you again. And yeah, but yeah, I think that's I think that's man. That what shows a, man. a lot. Yeah, what a man. <laughs> Jesus, the real man. Yeah, <laughs> um, the man's man. I was, I was. Um, if you read the mere Christianity, there's like a bit in there where it talks about. C.S. Lewis addresses all the people that say, 
there are certain types of sins, especially that, that men will be like, well, that's impossible not to do that. Like, you know, it's impossible to go like, there are some like, uh, um, cyclic sins. Cyclic is the right way to pronounce that. I've word. never heard of that word in my life. Cyclic. Yeah. Cyclic. <laughs> cyclic? cyclic. Yeah. Look it up. Cyclic. Cyclic. Oh, cyclic. cyclic. Wait. Cyclic. Cyc- no, it's cyclic. Cyclic? That sounds like such a word. Cyclic. It is. I've heard people use that word before. No. No, cyclical. Cyclical. Yeah, cyclic. Cyclical. Anyway, (laughs) there are, there are sins that, um, sort of like everyone does, if you know what I mean. Oh, cyclic. That was very loud. Sorry. Is it cyclic or cyclic? Cyclic. 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 There are sins that sort of everyone does, if you know what I mean. Like, for example, like lying. Everyone do- has done that. And for most people, it's a continued struggle to not lie in little ways. I know about Anger. Anger, yeah. Anger. Saying things out of anger. Swearing or whatever is uh, one that people struggle with. And there's more out there. And so C.S. Lewis's response to like the whole, like, it's impossible not to do these things is, you don't know that until like you make an effort. Like, you can't really say... You can't know how hard it is not to do it until you do it or try not to do it, if that makes any sense. Like you can't, an example he would use is you can't know how hard, you can't complain about how hard it is to climb Mount Everest until you try climbing Mount Everest. And then once you experience trying to climb Mount Everest, then you experience how hard it is. And then you can say how hard it is to complain about it. Yeah. But until then, you're not allowed to You don't really understand it. It's impossible to climb Mount Everest. It's way too hard, dude. It's so tough. Have you tried? Well, it's impossible, so there's no point. Well, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know how hard it is until you experience trying. Yeah. And so that was his argument against that. He's like, no, you need to try anyway. You need to reach per- for perfection, even though it's unobtainable. Jesus, ha- Jesus did that, right? He, he tried, and he succeeded. Like, he, mm-hmm. he wants us to take after him and try, even though he knows we won't succeed always. Yeah. But... He, Mm-hmm. He was the perfect demonstration of doing the impossible. Yeah. And I'm repeating myself. Well, <laughs> no, no, that was that was a good time because you were talking about God's Jesus's character of always being obedient to God is something that we should strive towards ourselves, even though we may look at it the outside and say it's impossible to live like Christ. Mm-hmm. Which, in reality, yeah, it is impossible to literally be Jesus, but that's not we're the point. We're supposed to take after his character. <gasps> yes. And we're supposed to strive to be as... We're supposed to... Like I, I said that corny um, line of, a few podcasts ago about like looking in the mirror and, and seeing Jesus, but being you or something. Mm-hmm. But essentially, we want to reflect Christ in every single walk of our lives. Yeah. Even though... That seems like a hard goal to reach. I think goals are supposed to be like that for a reason. <laughs> and God is the God of making the impossible possible. And he does give people the ability, like when they trust in him, to overcome those challenges and to live the way that he has called them to. Mm-hmm. Verse 9. Mm-hmm. And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him, being designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, that's another reference to him being made perfect. 
through his suffering. And so he had to come down and be a person so he could experience all the temptations, so he could resist them, and so he could be perfect in that way. Right. Um, otherwise, it's not. Uh, like, it, he could have stayed up in heaven, but it wouldn't have been the same. Like, um, yeah. this mm-hmm. way, this way, it's like what I was saying. He He climbed that mountain. And he succeeded, showing that he was perfect by resisting yeah. all temptation. And the theme continues, like we read before in Hebrews, that um, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And here it's, again, referring to him as the author of eternal salvation. Yeah, I, I really like the tie-in of this mentioning obedience again. Because the first part was about Jesus staying obedient to God. And then this says, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. So now it's saying, well, look at Christ and how obedient he was to God, though he suffered. Well, though we suffer, look at what's going to happen if we keep obeying him. We actually get salvation. Mm. That's that's our reward, if you want to call it that, for following and obeying Christ and God, is mm. that we get salvation. We get to not have to face the well-deserved consequences of our actions. Anything else for verse 9 and 10? Will just died. So verse 11. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. I think... Dull, though, but like dull means insensitive. So like they just seem to not care. Oh. No, I think dull also means stupid. I don't think there's... So mine just says, mine says poor listeners. Okay, that makes more sense. What does yours say? NASB... NASB says um, dull of hearing. NASB says poor listeners. No, NASB says dull. Are you reading the 1995 version or the 2011 NASB? It must be 1995 because that's more like old timey talky back before we were born. (laughs) Um, ESV says about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. ESV says the same thing. So mine says poor listeners, and then there's a little citation, and the citation says, or sluggish in hearing. Hmm. So I think that means... Slow? Like uh, apathetic, and like not, not really wanting to hear it, or not, mm-hmm. not, not listening well. I was going to say apathetic would be the way that I would... I think it's the, the way that I would um, translate it. Okay. Yeah. Or they're just not like apt to hear, like they would rather listen to something else, or they don't really care. So they're just sluggish because they're slow to even bother. Like, and once they try bothering, maybe it's too late. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. what we'll hear in verse 12, I actually find it a little bit funny. And, I, and it's, I'm going to tie it because I think 12 ha- coincides right with verse 11. So that's why I want, kind of want to read it too. Because it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have been need, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. We'll get to the second part later. But that first part, so he's saying that they become poor listeners. He's saying by this time, you got, you guys should have, like he's, the, the people he's talking to, these Messianic Jews, you guys should have already been teachers. You guys should have been already way out there preaching to other people. Yet, you need someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they have just stopped caring and they don't want to listen anymore. And like, and I find I, the reason why I said I thought it was funny is just because he's basically calling them kids. Yeah, they're all just little babies, overgrown, overgrown children, spiritual elementary principles. A man child. 
spiritually immature. Yeah. Yeah. So they need to be. But you know what? I'm throughout Hebrews. So no, it's okay. Throughout Hebrews, they uh, you can see him drawing elements, and so it's it's kind of like what he's trying to do. Eh? He's trying to teach them using basic elements from the Bible mm-hmm. and showing and building his argument and showing where he's correct about the Messiah being God. Um, or Jesus being the Messiah, I guess would be a better way to say yeah. it. And so, and so, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's interesting how he would refer to him as being spiritually immature like that. I don't know. Sorry. What were we going to say, Justin? It's like when, when I think of why he might say that, right? Why they have dull ears or why they're being apathetic towards the word. Um, I, I'm assuming that's saying they probably don't listen to him much. They don't worship God much. They're probably not listening to God. They're because, like, yeah. When I was saying that they should have been teachers at this point, uh, that he needs to show them the elementary teachings of God. Um, to me, that's a bit of a slap in the face. But I think it's one of those slaps that you need. Like when someone tells you something that you know is true, but you've been putting it off, and then the moment you hear it, you disagree, and you go home later that night, and you're like, "Dang, that guy was totally right." I do need to change this about myself. I like the fact that it's in Hebrews here. Because, yeah, he's saying that you guys have been dull in listening. You guys should have been teachers. Yet, where are you right now? And they probably, this was a wake-up call to them. And from from what I would think, because this would be a wake-up call to me if I was in their shoes, I'd go home and think, dang, whoever this author was, is right. Uh, and then we get that with uh, 13 and 14, which we'll read in a, in a little bit. But I, I just find that, like, you kind of remember what you're saying that each chapter or each book in Hebrews has kind of had a warning in it. Mm-hmm. I think this is that one, which is you guys need to stay firm in the truth because you're waning off. And they're only like a generation a gener- or a couple generations away from when Jesus was actually on the earth. Yet, look at they're already falling away. And we saw that throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. And the Israelites struggle with God. And that's how, in the last book we read about, um, when they escaped the wilderness, like they experienced God's actual miracles, yet they would still struggle with their faith. So I think this is a really, really good part to keep in Hebrews here. Because um, it goes on to say, you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. So what do you think he's, what he means there when he's talking about the milk and the food there? I think he's saying that to be mature in faith, we need to know the difference between good and evil. Like that's what's needed in order for us to be able to teach others. Because <laughs> if you if you're trying to teach people, you don't even know like what's what. You can't teach them. Mm-hmm. I think for the milk and food, I think he referenced that the milk was the basic elements mm-hmm. of their faith, and the food would be the more complicated stuff. I think he just talked about the word of God and just the philosophies of Christianity. And think about this: when you're a baby, what is your source of energy? Your mom's milk. That's it. Right. When you're older, that's when you have solid food. Mm-hmm. That's when you start to build all of these other aspects of it. Yeah. yeah. So he's. When you have solid that you food. You guys don't have 
the basics down, which is yeah. all he's talked about so yeah. far, the basics. Yeah. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah, which is stuff that we learned when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys only have the basics down. You, you're not ready to hear the complicated questions about your faith and the complicated questions of life because you don't have the basics down yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to ask themselves if they are mature in the faith or if they're still just drinking mama's milk, you know? <laughs> it's like, are you still just a baby? You need to really consider that. Yeah. Um, it's kind definitely. of a funny term, but it's true. Like, be spiritually mature. And to to your point, like, when you're older, you have solid food. That means that you're found... What the analogy is saying is when you're older... You're found and you keep staying obedient to God and following his laws and listening to him and praying and worship, worshiping God. Your foundation is now strong, Mm -hmm. which allows you to discern between right and wrong. Yeah. Since God's laws Mm -hmm. are now ingrained in you Mm -hmm. because it's every aspect of what you're doing. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the parable of like the sower of the seeds where they fell on the ground and thorns and all that and like in the Mm -hmm. good soil because if you listen to the word of God and it gets planted in the good soil in your life, right? And it just sprouts up because you're actually following God and you're maturing. Like you can't mature if your faith is stuck in the thorns. You're just going to be stuck there and mm-hmm. like trying to get the little bit of milk that you can. But well, and if you're a thorn and stuff, that'd be more like water. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah it's like they need to be taught again. They need to actually understand in order to get into that good soil. So, yeah, I feel like in order to actually get to have that solid food in your life, you really need to go back to the basics, right? And actually expand off of that, have that desire to grow in your faith, to be a well-blooming plant, like with the fruits of the spirit coming off of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, uh, I long for the day to where I can easily distinguish between good and evil. Because I think there are times where I, I know when people think the word evil, they're like, oh, isn't, isn't it obvious when things are evil? It's like, mm-hmm. not necessarily. Sometimes it's hard to tell when you're doing something that is of God or not. All right. Is this what God wants for me? Or is this what I want for me? When we mature spiritually by reading his word and staying obedient to him and worshiping Christ, then it's going to give us more discernment on what god's plan is for us and what he needs what he's trying to show us and how to distinguish between good and evil and it's not like i said i don't think it's always easy to know what's wrong and what's right mm-hmm. for sure i worry about um sometimes that there's been times in history where what you were what the majority of the population was doing was evil only became apparent like afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After things changed yeah. and then it became apparent. There were and probably then, always like a couple groups that knew it wasn't, but right. It wasn't the big voice. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes I, and usually during those times, the majority of the church gets swept away in that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, that like, even if you look at, well, I don't want to get to specifics, but I, sometimes I worry that, like, what if we're in that those times yeah. and we're yeah. that church that's getting swept away? Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think that's, it's not something that, like, you need to take super seriously if you don't think it's a valid thought. But 
I, I think everyone checking themselves in that way might be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And there are times where I do realize that the majority of my day was me fending for me hmm. and not me giving God my day and saying, do with it as you please. Mm-hmm. It's just me doing with like, I'll be honest, that vacation I took was morally just me. Like, yeah, maybe I cleaned the house and, and did some things around the place, but. And edited the podcast. And, uh, yeah, no, yeah edit. I edited the podcast and read scripture and, and did some worship music. But it's like, I don't know if I really gave God my entire day. Mm-hmm. And I really should have. And I think what, what that does is, like this verse is saying it, that's that salt. It's eating that solid food. It's It's spiritually maturing yourself. And that's so important because I think. All of our senses should be trained on on God and mm-hmm. not just parts of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we can truly know what's evil and what's good. Because oftentimes what's evil can mask itself as being good. Mm-hmm. Like the devil yeah. is a master of deceit and lies mm-hmm. and destruction. And there's so much people, there's so many people in the world that are deceived by that thinking that what they're doing is good, but actually it's just evil and it's hard to tell a difference sometimes. But if you have yeah. God, the Holy Spirit directing you, you can discern it. You you know the difference between good and evil because you have the spirit within you. Yeah, I think that's the reason though that all cultures that cultures and societies start practicing evil together as a group. Individuals might do acts of evil believing that knowing that they're evil perhaps and in certain circumstances, I'd have to think about that more. But mm-hmm. when cultures and whole societies start practicing evil together in agreement, it's always because, at least from what I can draw from my memory, it's always because it's seen as um, it's disguised as a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As progress. They're they're trusting mm-hmm. their own discernment on it. And then th- th- like maybe they're thinking like, oh, this thing that we're doing make kind of makes me happy. Or there's this there's this benefit I'm receiving from it. I guess that means it's good. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. how could something that's benefiting me be bad? Right, exactly. Something so that makes me feel good. As mm-hmm. an example, something like abortion, it's like, well, that's kind of a stress off my plate. I don't have to deal with that anymore. It yeah. must be a good thing. Well, mm-hmm. it's weird is that And it's been- empowering. There's been times in history where abortion or things like abortion have been very popular. And then times after that, where it was seen as something that was like horrific and terrible that that we did that. And and so people act like that. It was something that was like never done. And then only Mm -hmm. now that it's we're making progress. But no, we've gone through cycles where it was really bad. Then good and then really bad again Mm. and we're in a cycle where it's good but we're one day probably going to look back at it and be like that was horrible that we did that as a culture we will look back at that and think that's terrible Mm -hmm. i think we will one day look back and say that was one of the most evil things in in the last few generations yeah hopefully that day is soon (laughs) (laughs) probably not probably not within our lifetimes definitely not in canada but we can still pray and hope because God is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, man, it, I'll make this short, but especially with Canada, like we, we do need to discern 
and we have to use God as our ultimate judge because mm-hmm. when we start to use ourselves, like Canada has passed MAID, the MAID program. I don't know if you guys know about it, but mm-hmm. it's a uh, like basically a medically medically assistance suicide, in death. Right? Yeah, and uh, they they start to really break down. It, it was at first like for people that are on their deathbed, like they're just in, there's very specific criteria. You have to be in a lot of pain, like. But now they've really wide broadened it to like you know. If you're mentally ill, and mm-hmm. now it's really just like, oh, if you want to die, then we'll, we'll go help ahead. You. Yeah, and I'm like, and why are we promoting this? Like, who's <laughs> where are our morals, guys? Like, what what are we doing with our society right now? Right, mm-hmm. we're we're okay with this, and that's why. Where, where's the distinguishment of of good and evil here? Yeah, we're pro- we're promoting that. It's like the right to choose has just taken over. <laughs> Completely. And God gives us choices, but he wants us to make the and, good but ones. I, I really do think that's why God put clear boundaries in the Bible as to what and what not to do. Because when you give an, and you open that those doors, it leads to chaos. Like mm-hmm. an example would be would be things like um, sexual impurity. And so mm-hmm. he gave us sexual desires and, and sexual reproductive organs and for the purpose of creating children. And... He, he gave us that and he said, use it for that purpose only. And the reason why is because, well, then someone might, okay, someone says, well, why not use that for something else? For some other, in some other direction. Right. Well, because then there's no end to that logic. And then chaos ensues. And yep. there's suffering <laughs> yeah. and misery. And then, and sin runs rapid and like it, it becomes really, it becomes really bad for society and things like that. And like you, same thing for this. It's like, okay, well, People were like, oh, yeah, but assisted suicide, it's fine because, you know, you only do it to the people that really need it. And then yeah. that just keeps pushing the boundaries because where's that logic die with end? Dignity. As soon as you say that, mm-hmm. there's no end to that logic. You can take it as far as you want. Yeah. It just opens the doors and it keeps and see, going like, and going and going. Hey, we're freedom fighters or whatever you want to say, but there's also such thing as too much freedom. It's like we I can't. Agree. We can't just act like we can't have any moral standards <laughs> oh, anymore. Oh, that would be awful. And that's where I've actually changed a bit. Like, I won't talk too much about my politics, but, like, I, I've really, really implemented God more in my political thought because I'm like, shouldn't mm-hmm. I apply what the Bible is telling me to something so important like how the country is being run? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't think I should be okay with this politically speaking because... The Bible tells me that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I find yeah. that interesting, but I don't want to go too much into that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just I just like the way that this last little bit ended it about our spiritual maturity yeah. and having to stay completely obedient to God. Mm-hmm. And we have to constantly do that or else we're not going to be able to distinguish what's right or wrong. And then mm-hmm. our society starts to fall. Like, unfortunately, it has many different times throughout history, but it's doing it again. Yeah. I feel like this verse is a good starting point for reflection for us and for listeners and people who are reading this book right now, wherever they're at, um, to really think about like, am I spiritually mature? How can I mature in my faith? How can I get that solid food? Like, I think it's so important for us to think about how we can prioritize having that time of God to learn and grow our faith and, for him to show us what we're supposed to do with that faith. Mm-hmm. All right. That was awesome. Um, I really liked what you guys had to say on this podcast and what God spoke through with you guys. I'm going to end this thing in a prayer and then William will give us our outro.
Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for being our perfect high priest and for giving us a good guidance on what is right or wrong and giving us this example of how to be devout to God and how to stay obedient. God, help us to stay obedient to you in every aspect of our lives. God, I pray for our leaders and I pray for people in power and I pray for our society that we rely on you instead of our own judgments because look where our own judgments are leading us. It's leading us to to kill our own children, to kill ourselves. And we're, we're choosing this because we believe that it's right. But God, um, you hurt because of those decisions. So God, I pray for these people that you give them discernment that they look into your word, that they stay obedient to you, and that they ask for your forgiveness, um, even though we don't deserve a God. So I just pray, I pray for all of that in, uh, in your precious name. Amen. 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 That's all we have time for today, guys. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We do have social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Feel free to comment and ask questions on any of those platforms as well. We do have a website, disciplesquest.net, where you can find all of our online activity aggregated. There's content. There's a contact form there where you can reach out to us directly through our email if you prefer that method of communication. And please send us your questions, criticisms, ideas, or stories. We don't get enough of those, and we'd love to have more. You can find Emily's blog on our website and on Facebook that is dropped every second Wednesday, so be sure to check that out. And quick shout out to our Patreon subscribers, Philip, Brendan, and Darlene. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If anyone else would like to support this show, prayer is always a good option, and we certainly can't get enough of that, but Patreon is the best financial option for support. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for your prayers, and may God bless you on your quest to become better disciples. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.